You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, and welcome to episode 63 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. I am Chrissy Beltran, and today's episode is going to be super awesome because it's a topic that I think is so fun to learn about. What we're learning about today is the Enneagram. So if you are not familiar with the Enneagram, we're going to talk a little bit about what it is today. We're going to talk about how it's relevant to your real life and how it's relevant to your coaching work. It's a fun tool that kind of helps you get to know yourself and also helps you get to know other people. And it can help you work with with teachers and other support staff members and even administration if you all kind of have an idea of what Enneagram type you are. So I'm super excited for this episode. I invited Myrna of Ennea Health. Um, You can check her out on Instagram because Myrna actually was an instructional coach before she became an Enneagram coach. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the best of both worlds married in one person. So she is joining us today and I cannot wait to welcome her to the podcast because we're going to talk about the most fun topic, the Enneagram. So let's welcome Myrna to the podcast. Hey. I'm so excited that you're here today. I already gave a little introduction and I, cause I had to tell my listeners how psyched I am for this episode uh, because this topic is so cool and so fun and so many people are trying to learn about it. So I think this is going to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of just talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up here and what kind of work you're focusing on now? Yeah. So I'm Myrna. I'm an Enneagram and wellness coach. So specifically I support, um, really just about everybody, um, in um, understanding themselves through the lens of the Enneagram. Um, I stumbled across the Enneagram on my own journey to health. Really, I was focused on physical health and in that journey, stumbled across the Enneagram and realized how mindset um, and mind, like mental health is so key to my physical health. Um, And so have really focused specifically on using the Enneagram to create that health for others and supporting others in creating that health, mind, body, and soul. I love it. Yeah. And, and so in the past, you had mentioned that you were actually a coach, um, which I thought was so amazing because that you have the perspective on coaching that is rare (laughs) to find. Yes, I'm actually a former literacy coach, which literally was the job that made me realize how much I loved coaching. Um, I fell in love with working with my teachers, but still being able to intermingle with the students, which was so, so fun. Um, And it's just, it's a totally different world, instructional coaching and supporting teachers. Um, Because I, and I wish that I had this resource at that time, just because I feel like teachers really are faced with so much. And I'm sure like even now in um, the way things are with the pandemic, it's on a whole other level. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love the fact that I can bring in that background from my literacy coaching days into my work as an Enneagram coach. And um, I do support a lot of teachers. And so having that background knowledge to support them really um, comes in handy. 
Yeah, that is so neat. Um, such a um, an interesting, I don't know, just you're able to pull from those different experiences. And I'm sure you got tons of training whenever you were a coach and you had lots of experiences as, as a coach on a campus and um, working with people who actually opt in to work with you is probably a really nice change. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> <definitely> a perk. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> But, um, but I'm sure you learned a lot of strategies because even, even if there, there are people who opt into working with you, um, we don't always, we're not always great at actually applying what we learn, right? So it's, it's, I'm sure you've learned a lot from your experience as an instructional coach that really supports you in your work as an Enneagram coach and a fitness coach. So that's awesome. So Absolutely. in case some of our listeners haven't heard of the Enneagram at all, and the, people are out there that I've mentioned to people and they're like, I don't know what that is. So, and I'm not a pro at it at all. I just think it's fascinating and fun. So could you introduce it to us and kind of explain how it's different than other personality quizzes or tests? Um, like, you know, those ones that were like, what kind of cheese are you? Or, <laughs> <laughs> or the yes. are, you know, they have like the different initials that represent different things or, you know, so how is this one special and unique? Yeah. So the Enneagram is so incredible. It's so dense and has so much depth to it. Um, in its most basic form, in its most basic definition, it's a personality test. Um, but really, truly, honestly, it is so much more than that. And it goes way beyond um, personality tests because it doesn't just tell you the what you do. I think a lot of personality tests, it's like, oh, this is what you do and this is how you show up and that sort of thing. There's things that you can see. Um, and instead, the Enneagram really focuses on the internal driving forces that lead us to think, feel, and act in certain ways. Um, and so it really dives into how we communicate with one another and why we communicate that way and why, um, what's really driving us, like what's that internal motivation um, within us to do, feel, and think the things that we do feel and think. Like that. Yeah, I, that's what I had read too, is that it's about um, your motivations and, and your, you know, what, what causes you to do what you do, which is, I think, so interesting because I know that certain types can, can be like confusing and can seem like they overlap a little bit. The difference is yep. the motivation is what I read. So yep, that's absolutely. really interesting. Um, maybe we, we have the same behaviors, but we're motivated by different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. So how does this, how can knowledge of your Enneagram type help you in your real life, not just at work, but in, you know, your day-to-day -day interactions? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel <laughs> like really the question is like, how can't it help us? <laughs> because literally the Enneagram has been applied to so many things from our relationships to our workplace um, interactions to, I apply it to health. There are folks applying it to anti-racism work. Um, therapists use it. So it's really used in so many different facets. And I think the how it helps us really boils down to increasing our self-awareness. Like when we recognize why we're doing the things that we do, mm -hmm. it's so different than just recognizing what we're doing. Like most mm -hmm. of us can see the things that we're doing. <laughs> most of us are not super in touch with why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, an example that I love to share is like cleaning the house you know, a type one, and we'll get into those types in a second, but like a type one might clean the house because they just need to have things a certain way. Whereas a type two is going to clean the house because for them, they want to make sure that the environment is set up for the people that are going to come visit them and that it's a warm environment for them. Um, whereas a type six cleans the house because it's, they know it's safe, that everything is put where it's supposed to be put. So why we do it is so different, even though we're all doing that same action. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it helps increase our self-awareness, get in touch with who we are and the, the truth about our motivations. I think that that's the piece that can be really, um, I think on my end now fun that I've gone through some of it, but initially kind of like, uh, 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 this like, you feel so transparent and like yeah. laid bare before others when they know your type. And it's like, whoa, now you know all these like, quote unquote, bad things about me or right. like these negative aspects of my character. Um, but it really is just an incredible tool to support, challenge, and guide you through your journey of self-discovery and self-growth. Yeah, I like that. It's And it is interesting because you can see how it relates to all these different facets of your ordinary life. Um, I, I follow a bunch of different Enneagram accounts, including yours. And, you know, people will post things like, any, uh, this is how your Enneagram type approaches you know, gift buying or approaches, like you said, cleaning the house or approaches fitness or whatever it is, you know, and it's just, you know, approaches music. And it's just fun to think about that, that kind of thing. Um, So how is the Enneagram relevant to our work as instructional coaches? And in what way could this information be useful? Yeah, so if you're a human working with other humans, this is going to be (laughs) helpful. because we're all so different. And I think um, in its most basic form, it helps us to give grace to others and recognizing like why they're doing the things that they're doing is foundationally, there's a reason for it. It's not just that they're trying to buck the system. Um, there are some types that are more prone to doing that. Um, <laughs> But like there's a reason for it. It's not just, I'm just bucking the system because I don't want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. It could just be they're trying to protect themselves. It could just be that they need to understand something more. And as a coach, I think that's our job as instructional coaches is to help folks understand, like, this is where we're trying to get you, right? Like the building wants you to be here. And this is like what we need to be able to do for students. But understanding that me as a type one teacher, I just want to teach the right way. Like I literally just want to do it the right way. Tell me what to do. Give me the resources and I'll just do it. Yes. Knowing that as a coach, I know that for my type one teachers, I just need to give them, this is the way that it's supposed to look. This is the step-by-step protocol. You might want to throw in a little bit of a why in there because type one sometimes need that, but really like give me my step-by-step and show me what good teaching looks like. And I'll go make that happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas my type five teacher, might be a little skeptical to the procedures and the protocols and what you're telling me to do. And they're going to need a little bit more of that. Here's the research behind it. And here's why we're telling you to do it this way. And this is one way that it could potentially look, but ultimately like, you know, take it, make it your own and do what you've got to do in line with our standards and expectations in this building. And so just understanding that core motivation and like what teachers need Um, and what motivates them. One, helps you get on their side a little bit quicker and more effectively, but two, helps you to really serve them in a way that like, that they understand you're speaking their language at that point. Okay, so that's kind of how it it gives us like insight into into these people, different people and kind of figuring out, okay, so how can I best communicate with them in order to, you know, make sure that we're on the same page and also meet their needs as a teacher. Yeah. Uh, because if I have a need for understanding why we're doing what we're doing or, or seeing a best practice in action, then if my coach can meet that, then I'm more likely to respond to it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know like there's so often that like if I was given something and I'm like, well, I don't understand why I have to do it. And you really didn't explain to me how to do this. Uh-huh. More than likely, I wasn't going to do it because it just didn't make sense to me. And right. I didn't know how to. And if I don't know how to do something, I'm just not going to do it because I can't do it well. And it's important right. to me that I can do something well. 
everything you're saying is is resonating with me because I, I came out as a one wing too. Um, and so I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, isn't everybody like that? But no, everybody is not like that. Nope. <laughs> like our sixes will probably just, you said to do it, even if they don't know how to do it, they're just going to go do it because they're loyal in that way. And so it's so funny to like, depending on the six, I should say, but it's so funny to see like, yeah, no, not everybody thinks like us. And I think that the other way it really helps us is recognizing like, just because that's the way I saw it as a teacher doesn't mean that's the way you're going to see it as a teacher. And right. being able to have that grace and support them in the way that makes the most sense for them to move the needle the way that we want to move it. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're mentioning different types. And I'm wondering if you can, before we kind of get into anything else, if you can kind of give us a brief rundown of what motivates each type or just like, like, you know, hallmarks of each type so we can kind of have a vision for that. Yeah, absolutely. This is where it gets fun because yeah, it is fun. I feel like I end up talking a whole lot <laughs> and I don't like the sound of my own voice, but I got this. Oh, nobody does. I don't listen to these episodes. <laughs> I make someone else edit them because I don't need to hear myself. That's so funny. I mean, I guess you were part of the conversation. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. So all nine types and their motivations. Type one um, they're called the moral perfectionists. And so their core fear is being wrong, bad, evil, inappropriate, basically doing things the wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, and their core desire is to truly have integrity, to be good, to be balanced and virtuous, um, to be right. And not in the sense of like, oh, I know better or that I'm always right when I do things, but it's, they wanna be able to do things the right way um, and as expected. Um, and for them, their weakness is, their core weakness is resentment. So for ones, they have a tendency to repress their anger, which leads to frustration and dissatisfaction because things just aren't perfect. Things in the world, things within themselves, things within others, it's not perfect. And so they tend to resent um, and repress that anger. We call it resentment, really it's anger, um, but because ones internalize that anger, it's resentment. Mm -hmm. um, type twos, they are our supportive advisors. So their core fear is being rejected, being unwanted and being unloved. Um, they really thrive on being appreciated. That's their desire is to be appreciated, loved and wanted. Um, and their core weakness is pride. So they tend to deny their own needs and emotions while using their strong intuition because twos are incredible. They can walk into a room and know the needs of everybody in that room and how to support those needs. Um, but they don't do that for themselves. And they, um, so that core weakness of pride really shows up for them in the sense of like, they're so focused on others and they deny that they have their own needs mm -hmm. um, themselves. Um, type threes are our successful achievers. Um, their, their core fear is being exposed. Um, or thought of, thought of as incompetent or inefficient or worthless. They really, their core, their core desire is truly to be successful, um, to be valuable, to have high status and admiration from others. And their core weakness is deceit. So they tend to deceive themselves and maybe even others into believing that they are the image that they present to others. They're very image conscious. Um, and our type fours, are our romantic individualists. So their core fear um, is being inauthentic or um, misaligned, like not being the fullness of who they are for others and in front of others. Um, and their core desire is to be known um, 
to have that authenticity to really come off um, as unique and special and valuable for others. Um, and their core weakness is envy. So just this feeling that they're internally flawed, that something foundational is missing within them and that others have something that they lack. They tend to become envious in that. Um, our type fives are investigative thinkers. So these tend to be our researchers. These are the teachers that need you to give them the research. Mm -hmm. um, their core fear is being annihilated, which sounds like a really strong word, but that's <laughs> really how they feel. Like they, they fear being annihilated and not having their needs met, being invaded and being thought incapable or ignorant. Um, they also are very conscious of their energy and their resources. Um, and they fear being completely depleted. Their core desire is to be capable and to be competent um, and their core weakness is avarice. So this feeling that they lack inner resources and that too much interaction with others is going to lead to catastrophic depletion. Again, sounds very like, yes, <laughs> but it is that intense for them. Um, and the more I work with fives, the more I'm like, yeah, this is very real. So it is, it is very, very real for them. Um, Type six are our loyal guardians. They fear fear itself. That is their weakness or their core fear um, is fear itself. Being without support, um, being blamed or targeted does not dive well with the six. Mm -hmm. um, and their core desire is to have security, guidance, and support. Your sixes are probably the teachers that are going to flock to you and stick with you and never let you go because they want that security and support and guidance. Um, but their core weakness is anxiety. They are constantly scanning the horizon, trying to predict and prevent negative consequences, most or negative outcomes. Most folks will say that these are our worst case scenario folks. Um, they, they're always trying to problem solve and plan for what could go wrong so that they can prevent it from happening. Um, our type sevens are the entertaining optimists. These are probably like the super fun teachers. Um, they fear being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, being bored and missing out on something fun. FOMO was really created for type seven, the fear of missing out, that's a type seven. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, their core desire is being happy, fully satisfied and content, um, really taking advantage of all the fullness of life. Mm -hmm. And their core weakness is gluttony. So this feeling of great emptiness inside and having this insatiable desire to fill themselves up. So they fill themselves up with experiences um, and whatever they can so that they can feel completely satisfied. Type eights are our protective challengers. Their core fear is being weak, being powerless, um, being left at the mercy of injustice. And their core desire is to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. Their core weakness is lust, but really from the sense of like excess, um, they're constantly declaring, desiring like an intensity and control and power and not necessarily to control others, but they don't want to be controlled themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and our type nines are our peaceful mediators. Um, they fear being in conflict, tension, discord, being shut out or overlooked. Um, and they also fear losing connection with others. Connection is really important to them. Their core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. Um, our type nines are typically like the go along to get along people. And their core weakness is sloth. So remaining in almost an idealistic world in order to keep the peace. They're super easygoing. They don't wanna be disturbed by your anger. They tend to fall asleep to their own passions and their own desires. 
um, and merge with others to keep the peace and harmony. So they go along to get along because they want to avoid that conflict. Yes. Yeah. My husband is a nine and you just described him <laughs> weaknesses and all like it was like, you know, dead on. Um, and he does, he will, he will avoid conflict. Sometimes I'm like, I can tell I'm taking you off. I can, <laughs> I know I am. And he just, he will, he will hold on. He will ignore it for as long as he can. Um, because he just doesn't want to deal with it sometimes. And, and he's honest whenever then he'll come out and say, well, this bothers me. But for a while there, he's just, I can see, he's just like, just gonna let this one go. <laughs> yes, that's very real. That's very real for a nine. Yeah. And that's interesting because that nine one combo can be kind of very opposite and very tricky, Art. especially I'm sure in the beginning. Yeah, we are, we are incredibly different people. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we, maybe the balance is good for us, you know, that I'm, I'm yeah. not afraid of confrontation. I usually regret it afterwards, but it, when it's coming up, you know, in my face, I'm not, I'm like, well, we'll talk, whatever we got to say, fine, say it. But, um, but he doesn't, he, he, maybe because he avoids it so much, I don't have a problem bringing it up, you know, it, <laughs> it kind of works out. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. The balance is definitely good yes. and awareness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And making, and every time I read anything about minds, I'm like, okay, that's, that's Bernie. That's who he is. And it just kind of, it does reinforce that idea. It's really helpful. Um, yeah. So then you kind of mentioned some of these strengths that each Enneagram type uh, demonstrates. Um, and that, that are, you know, strengths that they have in the world. And are those, those are strengths that could be really supportive of coaching. Like, are, does, does each Enneagram type have strengths that make them supportive of coaching or not so much? <laughs> yeah. So I think every type has strengths that allow them to really be supportive of coaching um, and desiring coaching. I think you're going to find that some, some types are going to, every type benefits from coaching, right? But there are going to be some types that might need a little bit more support in getting there and being okay with it and being willing to, to get it. Um, so like one example is our type eights. They really desire protecting themselves and others. And they have a fear of vulnerability and of like being weak, powerless. And so for them, coaching in the beginning might be a little bit, mm -hmm. they might be hesitant to that um, because they, some of I mean, coaching requires some vulnerability, right. um, like coming into their space that is extremely vulnerable experience for teachers, especially our type eight teachers. Mm -hmm. And so building that relationship beforehand is so, so crucial for a type eight. I mean, I think it's crucial for every type, but especially your eights, because they're just, they're either going to like, it just, it could not work at all, or it can be absolutely beautiful if you have that relationship in the very beginning before like just starting with them. Um, but I would say, yeah, every type has some strengths that allow them to be supportive of coaching. And I can kind of go through some of that with each type right now. Okay, um, sure. Be helpful. Yeah, because so, once people start looking at their faculty, they're going to be like, I bet you're a four. Like they're going to start <laughs> thinking and they're going to want to know like what is yep. what can I capitalize on and then what should what what kind of framework do or, or groundwork do I need to do in order to overcome maybe the areas that are not as strong for coaching you know that, that make it a little more of a challenge yeah absolutely um I will name now that you mentioned that because you reminded me like we definitely don't want to like and I'm sure most people don't do this like oh my gosh you're a four no I swear you're a four like we don't want to do that <laughs> 
<laughs> with other people, period, especially with our staff, because that's the number one way to probably like right turn everybody off. that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to name that publicly for folks. Um, but yeah, like knowing the different um, types can really help know like I can really lean on this person for this thing. I can really support this person in this way because I know this fact about them. So I'll kind of run through some of them. For our type ones, again, they're a moral perfectionist. And so I kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but they're the folks that they really just need to know like the step-by-step -step expectation. Tell me what you want me to do and I got you. I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, something to know about them is they might be a little nitpicky about their details about with the things that they're doing. Um, so for example, they might be the teacher that stays till six o'clock working on a PowerPoint that they're gonna present tomorrow. And literally like the details of the PowerPoint are what's keeping them there, not necessarily the content, it, right. the way it looks. Mm -hmm. So knowing that they might nitpick over details that might not be super important. Um, and that's helping them manage their time and understanding how they're using their time and what's taking up some of their time. Yes. Can, really important to know about one to that yes I can. <laughs> oh I very much so relate to that yeah I, that there's that quote as done is better than perfect and that I've tried oh. to embrace that since I heard yep. it I really like that <laughs> yep. that is that's definitely needed for a one yes <laughs> um especially in teaching because we have lots of things that we need to like right. do and, create and like we don't have time to right. realistically it. everything can't be perfect nope it can't it's impossible Yep. And some encouragement for our ones, like it is okay. And honestly, for all types, like it's okay. We will be okay. <laughs> to learn, and it's going to be wonderful. Use your strengths. Um, our type twos, they're classified like as our helpers. So their strength is that they have the heart to help and support. They can read a room. So you, if you want to try to figure out how your staff is feeling, ask your twos. If you want to figure out how your students are feeling, ask your twos. Mm -hmm. um, they struggle. Um, really connecting with them will be powerful because they're so relational. Um, so having that um, as a coach is super important. And then in terms of supporting them in areas where they might need support is really just kind of in thinking through how, um, how do I explain this? Like thinking through how to execute on um, maybe like specific tasks. Um, if they have a really strong one wing, they probably got that and they've got that really, really well. Um, yeah. The oriented part of like thinking through what something could look like. Mm -hmm. or okay. Yeah. And then our, if they have that three wing, they're going to probably execute, execute it successfully. But for them, because they're so relational, they might spend more time in building relationships with the students mm -hmm. um, and engaging there and not necessarily always thinking through all of the details of like maybe a lesson and that sort of thing, because that relational aspect is so much more important to them. So just something to note um, that might come up for them. Um, and then our type threes, their, go their, their goal is success. So these are typically your teachers that are already shining high. Um, and I think for them really, so their strength is like their efficiency, like they can get things done. And you're like, how did you do that many tasks in like two seconds? I'm, I'm still working on the first one. Your threes are the ones getting things done. Um, I think for them as a coach, really supporting them and knowing that they're valuable as a teacher because they as a human and a teacher are valuable, not the work that they're producing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think our threes need that comfort and reassurance and coaches can really give them that to because their, their work is already probably Mm -hmm. 
like stellar. That's just, that's their goal. That's what they do. Um, but they tend to like do so much because they feel like that's what makes them valuable. Right. More. Yeah. Um, our type fours are super misunderstood. Um, and so they might seem like they're, I've heard it described so many different ways. Like they're really aloof or they're, they're so much more focused on like being different. Um, and so that's something that you might encounter when working with our type four teachers is that they're constantly trying to figure out how to make it different and how to make it more authentic and unique because that's just something that they really desire. Mm -hmm. um, they, they may struggle with seeing other comparison, like seeing other teachers really thrive and figuring out how do I make that my own but still do that same thing because they feel like something is missing within them. Um, and so when coaching specifically, um, just helping to validate that the work that they're doing really matters, mm -hmm. um, that they're seen and that they're known for who they are in their specialness and in their uniqueness. Mm -hmm. um, so they, our, may, they may struggle with like alignment, like whenever we're trying to align across a grade level or something like that, that might be a real challenge because they're gonna feel like you're taking the individuality. Yeah, they, they they might definitely feel that way, or they might like look at it if they have a three wing. They might look at it from like a global perspective, which is kind of neat. Um, and like, no, our grade level needs to stand out this way. Okay. Um, and nope. like owning it from that perspective, mm -hmm. and or to get them on board, communicating it that way intentionally yeah. to start off with, so that there's not this sense of like, oh, now I have to be mm -hmm. like everybody else on this team. Yeah more like our team gets to be different from everybody else yeah so in that way for them can no, be that's really true. i'm thinking of someone and i don't know like you said you can't peg people i mean we don't really know but i feel like that really describes this person and once they embrace their team as part of their identity um and and really worked on making their team stand out and had like a really strong connection with the members of their team that's when things got better <laughs> yeah um, before then whenever they felt isolated and they were like no i i'm not going to align with you because i my thing is different i do something different here but over time the the team identity is what supported them in trying things that the school was trying yeah oh that sounds so aligned to some four behaviors absolutely interesting um, yeah um, so yeah, getting them on board could be a little tricky, but when you, mm -hmm. that identity piece is huge. Um, for our type fives, I kind of mentioned this before, like they're the ones that they want to feel capable and competent, give them the research, ground them in the why. You tell them why they're doing it. Not only are they going to get on board and do it, they're also going to find the most efficient way to make it happen because they're so cognizant of their energy being mm -hmm. depleted that they're going to figure out how can I do this with the least amount of energy? <laughs> in a very capable and competent way. It is like such a beautiful thing. Our fives tend to be our most innovative people um, because of that factor. They're trying to figure out how do we make this efficient, mm -hmm. use the energies well, but still be very capable and competent in getting it done. Yeah. 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 So our type sixes, these are our loyal guardians. This is actually my husband. <laughs> and really they are, they need a plan. They want to know that they're going to have the security, the support, and the guidance. Um, and so having a plan that really helps, one, be ready to take all their questions and answer their questions, be willing to like be there and present to support them, but two, recognizing like they need that security and that support and that guidance. So asking them like, when is the next time you would like for me to show up? Well, how can I support you in this way? They're going to want it. Um, and so making sure that they know that they can come to you for it. Mm -hmm. It's really, really helpful for them. 
Um, I actually support, currently support a type six teacher, um, just like virtual coaching on my own. And um, that's something that comes up a lot in that is just constantly sending me emails and messages like, of like, what are your thoughts on this? And they just think that guidance and yeah. it's really helpful for them. Um, our type sevens, <laughs> um, they really enjoy having fun. They get very bored very easily. They're also probably going to be some of your most creative teachers. Mm -hmm. um, they, supporting them, um, can look a, a myriad of different ways depending on how they're showing up. Um, they, like I said, they're gonna probably be your most creative teachers. Mm -hmm. um, but in that, they might try to do something different every single day. <laughs> okay. And so for them, support is going to look like you um, helping them with routines and getting those routines situated and structured and set up mm -hmm. um, so that it's not, and helping them see like the importance of, importance of that for students, but also recognizing like they need it to be different. So helping them see like how that routine can still have some differences within it, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, yeah, some variety within structure. Exactly, like give them the structure, but let them know they can have freedom in that structure. Like have yeah. your morning meeting every single day, but. but. Different. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then our type eights, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. They um, are protective challengers. So they might challenge you um, in the sense of like, but I don't want to do it that way. Or they're not ready to really like move with change because they want to, again, protect themselves and others. They might not want you in their classrooms. Um, so just being aware of that. Um, once they let you in though, like know that that is like serious and like, take it seriously, um, knowing that it's it's sensitive for them to be able to open themselves up in that way. Um, and so really just honoring when they're vulnerable, honoring when they share weaknesses, thanking them for those things, um, not bringing all the attention to it at the same time, but still honoring it, if that makes sense, like finding that balance for them in that. Um, and then the last one is type nine. So type nines, their coaching probably is going to be around like really helping them know that their presence matters and like speaking up. Um, they have opinions. They have this incredible superpower where they can they can see things through a multiple through multiple lenses, mm -hmm. and so they're able to really like understand the perspectives of all the people probably on their team. But they also will be the ones to not say anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so really leaning on them in that way, knowing like they have the superpower, but also supporting them and recognizing like you're valuable to this team and you're so super needed um, and um, helping them to really step up and show that strength that they have. Um, Cause more than likely they're just gonna, they're gonna probably be the like, yeah, sure on the team. Like they're the ones that are like, yeah, sure. I'll do that, whatever. Like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, because they're just gonna go along to get along versus like you know, recognizing actually not everybody's vibing with this and speaking to that so that mm -hmm. you know, others can be supported and um, we really create an atmosphere of harmony. They will be the people on your team. If you need harmony on a team, find yourself a nine. <laughs> and they, will, they will help you get there. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I totally can. Um, yeah, that's really helpful information and in thinking about how you kind of frame your interactions with people and it's it's not it's it's really just thinking about well what's important to this person and how can i make sure that that is honored so that they get what they need out of this coaching relationship exactly mm -hmm. exactly and i think um 
and this is a coaching strategy that I'm sure we talk about all the time is like just really honoring them and their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's beyond Enneagram, like just as a human, like, where are you at? Like, what do you need from me? How can I support you? Mm-hmm. But again, knowing their type and like being able to use that to even further understand like, oh, so that's why you're always asking me why, or, oh, that's why you're always pushing back. It's because they need the research or because, you know, they fear being vulnerable and you're kind of in their space. So I feel like it helps me be a little more patient. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, oh, right. Okay. So it's not their strength to just follow, you know, go the step by step. They might need a little more support. Right. Um, I find that with, you know, not only like in my coaching relationships, like with teachers, but also like even with my husband, knowing right. that he fix and knowing that he just, he needs to go through the 5,000 scenarios before he makes a decision. I need, knowing that gives yeah. me, allows me to give him grace, but also lets me know, I need to tell him some, about something a month in advance <laughs> time to really process through. If, especially if I need a decision, he needs time to process through all the scenarios. So knowing that about, and that's probably helpful to know about your teachers too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be tra- hard for them, especially your sixes. Like if you're telling them to do something different, they're going to need time to digest what that means and figuring out a plan and what that's going to look like for them and supporting them through that is so, so super critical. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So when you're working with teams of teachers, is it helpful? I mean, I obviously it would be helpful, but in what ways can it be helpful to have an idea of where people fall on the Enneagram like when you're working with a grade level or a group? Yeah. So it's so nuanced. Um, and I think what would be cool is like, depending on what types are in the, in that space, you're probably going to cater even like PD strategies for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I know that I have, which would also probably be a little unfortunate. Um, but if I know that I have types fives, eights, and nines in a group, and <laughs> those are the types in that space, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get some pushback. And I know that that nine is just going to go along with whatever that eight or five is saying. Um, and so I know to come prepared with not only my research, but also with the why we're doing it and asking their opinion and their perspectives. It just helps me know like where to lean more of my energies. I think those are things we should always do with all the groups that we facilitate, mm-hmm. but it helps me to know I need to lean my energies a little bit more towards giving them that research and giving them that why and focusing a little bit more on that slide versus if I'm in a group with my twos and my fours, we're probably going to focus a little bit more on the, like the how to do it and how that works and how they're feeling about it and how they're receiving the information and what that looks like for them as a team or for them individually in their classrooms. Like how I run that PD and where I lean more of my energy is probably how I would shift it when working with teams. That's interesting. Um, it reminds me of, this is, this was terrible, but people used to do that for a while. Their um, teachers were told in certain districts or certain schools, they, they had to put like colored dots on kids' desks to help them remember certain things about them. It was horrible. But they would like, if you were at ELL, you had like a green dot on your desk or if you, um, yeah. And, but it, and it's not the same thing, but it, I feel like in like that's kind of what the intention was that it was supposed to be front and center that you were um supposed to be aware of these these certain qualities that your students had to make sure that your lessons were meeting their needs all the time so it was a horrible way to do it um and i was shocked whenever i heard people tell me that that's what their administration was asking them to do but that kind of picture like if you have like a little visual in your little in your brain of the teacher with like a little five on their forehead or like a little three on their 
their forehead, you know, just to kind of keep it like, okay, let me just kind of be aware of, of who's interacting here and what I need to keep front and center and what kind, you know, be like prepare myself for what kinds of challenges this group may have in adopting something new or in reflecting or in even just working together um, yeah. and communicating Absolutely. with each other. Absolutely, especially in communication. Um, because they're all looking for something different. They're all trying to understand something different within whatever it is that that's being talked about. And so their processing and how they're receiving the information is all being received differently. Um, and I think like, as I said before, like at the end of the day, like we're going to do these effective strategies for all groups, but knowing the types and even not knowing the types, I think helps us to give that grace, not only to ourselves, but mm -hmm. to our teachers and recognizing like, Every single, if there's like five people in the room, every single person in that room is processing that information in a very different way yeah. and being willing to cater to that. And I think from a facilitation standpoint, giving yourself time to make sure that you can honor those different needs um, within that room and within that space because it's being received so differently. So creating the space either in that moment or making sure that they know that, hey, we can definitely touch base on this later or whatever it may be because it's being received so differently and they're going to probably need support in very different ways. Mm -hmm. How interesting. So is there a, like a specific type of person who is really drawn to teaching or a specific type of person who's drawn to coaching? Do you see more of a certain kind of person um, in those fields? Yeah, I think so obviously like any type can be attracted to anything and all mm -hmm. those things. I'm sure we have teachers. We absolutely have teachers of all nine types, mm -hmm. but you will find that um, like our type twos are very likely to be teachers, even like type nines, very likely to be teachers because of that helper connection aspect mm -hmm. um, within them. They, they're very, very likely to choose a helping profession in that way. Um, coaches tend to be your type eights and type ones. Ones are reformers. That's another way to describe them mm -hmm. um, because ones can see things and ones also have that nine um, wing. So it helps them to like, see different perspectives too, but ones are reformers and they like supporting others with change. They can see what's wrong, typically in all things. <laughs> and so they can use that in their coaching to support others and like, oh, actually if we shift it this way, we can like create this thing. Um, so ones tend to be coaches as would like type threes as they seek success and that sort of thing. Um, even type fives because they, Although I will say type fives are probably more like facilitators and designers of curriculum more than they're probably coaches, but that's probably like within their path towards mm -hmm. getting to that place where they're designing and creating curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, and then type eights because type eights make great coaches because they definitely are gonna like take you under their wing and really support you because they wanna protect themselves, but also those in their inner circle. Mm -hmm. And for some eights, like that means they're teachers, like they're gonna, they're gonna go to bat for you for sure. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So is this, like if coaches were wanting to introduce this to their teachers, their administration or something, is this something that you could do as a team builder? Um, and if you did, what would that look like? Yeah, so, oh, that's so tricky. Um, that's what I'm wondering, that's why I wanted to ask because not everybody's gonna, is gonna be, you know, comfortable necessarily. Yeah, especially because, um, and I mean, so here's the thing, like, I found out about the Enneagram at a work conference and it was just this fun thing. It's another personality test. I did not realize the depth of it until I started reading about myself and I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. That's me. Ha ha ha. Oh, wait, what? Hello? No, stop. Let's stop reading this. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> it, literally, 
like, mm -mm, I'm good. And then I took a break from it because I'm like, mm -mm, this is too much. Um, so I think the best way, because yes, it could be a team builder for sure. Um, the tricky thing is I would encourage folks to start exploring what their type is prior to like a grade level meeting or something to that effect, because there's just not enough time. Um, so there are Enneagram tests out there. Tests can be very tricky. Um, they're only about 60 to 80% accurate, which means about 20 to 40% of people are walking around mistyped. Um, so that's one thing that's a little tricky with that. So like if they do opt to take a test, then you want them to really have some time to like read through the results and see what resonates with them the most so that they can truly land on their accurate type. Um, so I would not suggest doing the test together in that same space mm -hmm. um, just because people are going to need time. And most of the tests are kind of long. Um, so there's that. But also, um, I would say like the most ideal way would probably be like have an Enneagram coach come in and work with your team and navigating that because then they can like in the moment, like dispel the don't type others and like all of those things uh -huh. that might be missed if it's just done on its own. But if done on its own, name those things as well. Like we're not typing others. This is not to be used as a gotcha or as a tool to like use against people. It is not a weapon, not a sword. It's also not an excuse for your bad behavior. <laughs> um, like so many like disclaimers need to be put out with that, right? Um, because I think that's a fear for teachers. Like, oh, now they know that I'm a one and now they're going to use that against me. Um, and so like, that is not the heart behind this tool. It's really used, it should be really be used as a supportive tool to really understand our people um, and how we can best support them. So I would say the best way, like hands down would probably be like, have an Enneagram coach come in and support yeah. you through it. Even if it's like a virtual thing where you're kind of, you know, um, or if you're gonna do it, put out those disclaimers, have folks come in knowing their type so that we can then engage in that conversation around, okay, how is the best way to communicate with you? What's the best way to support you on this team? And that sort of thing, like mm -hmm. really as a supportive tool. Yeah. Like what do you bring to the table? What special, you know, qualities? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally see doing that as part of like a leadership retreat or something like that. Absolutely. Over and um, so like your admin and your support staff and everybody, you know, can kind of take it um, and then have like have the Enneagram coach actually virtually would be awesome, would be really fun. Is that something that you do? Do you coach teams like that? I haven't done it yet. If it was for a school building, I would absolutely be down for it. I don't think I would do it for other organizations. I would definitely do it for teachers because that's where my heart is at. Um, and then I also have fellow coaches that do that work um, specifically. And so I could always refer folks to that too, to those folks as well. Um, so yeah, if you can, if you want to share anybody um, at the end here that anyone should look into um, so that way they can, you know, if they're interested in trying that out on their campus, that'd be great. Yeah. So if coaches only walk away with one idea from everything that you shared today, what should it be? Love this question. Um, <laughs> the Enneagram is a powerful tool to truly support us and supporting others. Like point blank period. It's an incredible tool. It literally will not only change your life, it will also change the lives of those that we support. I love that. And that's what coaches do. Exactly. Yeah. So, so aligned. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you online to learn more? Yeah. So I can be found at Enia Health. So that's spelled E-N-N-E-A Health. 
um, one word, and really on all the places, Facebook, Twitter, um, primarily on Instagram is the best way to reach me. Um, feel free to shoot me a DM. Let me know that you were listening to this podcast um, with Chrissy. And um, I would be so super honored to support you with any questions you have, whether it's related to the Enneagram within your school building and how to use it as a teacher um, or just how to grow as a human. Um, mm -hmm because I think that it truly is such a great tool for us to be able to do that. Um, and if you're interested in like team retreats or coaching and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, reach out to me on Instagram as well, DM me, and I can connect you with okay. some incredible people. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today. This is really fun to think about. I mean, personality is fun to think about. And <laughs> Um, it's such an important part of coaching. It's huge um, in understanding why people do what they do and why we do what we what we do and why it bothers us when people do what they do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so this was such a fun episode and I really appreciate that you joined us today. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So there you have it, coaches. The Enneagram is this fun personality tool, helps you know yourself, helps you understand others. And isn't that really what our coaching work is, is figuring out how best to support other people in their, their learning goals, right? So I'm so glad we got to share that episode and that Myrna was able to join me today to share her expertise. Next week, we are talking about lessons I learned from my first year of coaching. So this is just me in this episode, it's episode 64. And I am sharing with you these really important lessons um, that I learned the hard way. <laughs> and hopefully I can either save you from learning them the hard way, or I can at least help you figure out what to do if you are learning those same lessons at this time. So definitely tune in next week for that episode. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.